0: underway here on ESPN Plus alongside my good friend and colleague, Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar, and we are coming to you live on a night where it is officially official, Herc, both the United States and Mexico are going to the World Cup. How you you hey, feeling? Canada. Well, Canada was already officially That's official, That's uh, right? A little bit anticlimactic, if I might say so myself. Kind of a weird last day of qualifying. It was, all around. I will echo that statement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Could have used a little bit more drama, but I think for those that have uh, punched their ticket, they're not all that worried about it. Uh, the results are just in from a night of CONCACAF action. Let's get you to the uh, table and the scores as well. By the way, we're gonna have John Sutcliffe joining us a little bit mm-hmm. later in the show for uh, more reaction on the Mexican national team. They did pick up a big victory. Uh, Today against El Salvador in the Azteca. Uh, but really the story tonight is both the United States and Mexico punching their ticket to the uh, next World Cup. And of course, as always, we like to remind you, you can listen to the show, Football Américas, in podcast form as well. There is the final World Cup qualifying table. Of course, the top three go automatically through to the World Cup in Qatar. Canada uh, ends up with the uh, top record in the region. If we go off goal differential, then uh, tied with Mexico on 28 points uh, after Canada falls to Panama. Uh, Mexico beating El Salvador 2-0, the U.S. dropping a 2-0 decision away to Costa Rica, which leaves both those teams tied on 25 points and in third, but the U.S. No worries, they get the automatic ticket thanks to that uh, cushion of gold differential. Meanwhile, Costa Rica headed to the intercontinental playoff as they will fight for one of the last spots in the upcoming World Cup. All right, Herc, so the big headline here is the United States back in the World Cup after missing out in 2018. What does this mean for American soccer?
1: Well, everything for American soccer. Congratulations to the U.S. men's national team, no matter how you got there. You got mm. there. I know a lot of fans right now will be... Almost disgusted at how they got there. No,
0: right? come on. Disgusted is way too strong. It is way
1: too strong. I agree. I didn't say I felt that okay. way. I said a lot of fans will feel that way because of how much promise this team can show you or, mm-hmm. or, or what they can do. The, the kind of equity they built up heading into this game. I mean, you go into a Estadio Azteca and you get a very good result and many feel... You should have taken more from that game. You should have taken three points. Then you wipe the floor with a Panama side that it was a do or die game for them. It was literally, if you want to go to the world cup, you have to win this game. And you put five away from them. And then everybody alternate squad against Costa Rica. And you see the lineup from Greg Verhalter and you're like, he's playing with the big guys Mm -hmm. he's playing with what he has at his disposal. This is great. You're going to get a nine point window and it's, I don't want to say performance, but it's this result and and the way they let the result go go by so a lot of people a lot of fans will
0: feel you're focused on the that. result but i feel like bigger picture we have of to course, acknowledge here that like course. american fandom at this point can take nothing for granted i don't think yes. anybody after missing 2018 I'm with you, um, you know could take it for granted i think if you look at what happened with italy you know a powerhouse yeah. like that can miss back to back tournaments uh, and then if you think about and you've talked about this a lot the impact of missing a world cup yeah. it's devastating no matter when it happens right it was devastating you you talked about for potentially like the Kids who missed out on watching 2018. Imagine what the impact of missing another World Cup leading into 2026 would have been. So I, I get, I get what we can nitpick, but I think big picture, we have to, we have to hail what this is. Yeah. This is a, a huge victory for American soccer just to qualify for the World Cup. I wonder if the other stated goal, not just of Greg Berhalter but the American team during this qualification process, was accomplished. In your opinion, that was to change the way the world feels about American soccer. I do believe that they've done that. It may not be the total turnaround, but I think they've changed that for sure. Let me stop you.
1: Christian Pulisic at Chelsea has changed that. No, no, Jill no, no, Reina no! But, but Christian Pulisic was that. playing at a high no, level no, before le, the U.S. Me, failed to qualify.
0: I'm not talking about. Finish. I'm talking about the U.S.
1: men's national They've team. not said because not with American ger- soccer. no, with this golden generation, these players at Dortmund, at Barcelona, at Chelsea, at City, these players were. Do, do you remember where? Look this, where they're at. Third place, really quick. Third place, and I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's a terrible thing because it's the World Cup. You're going to the World Cup, mm-hmm. but you're saying changed the way. People view American soccer. No, yeah. these this, players
0: have changed that. No, this, this team in this qualification process has changed not just how people, but how American fans feel about this team. Go back to 2017. Go back to after the failure of Cuba. Go back to after the failure of Cuba and tell me how things have changed since then. Even go back to the beginning of Greg Berhalter's era. Go back to... The expectations have changed. So. Go back to late 2019, even right, barely over two years ago, when they the lose arachnum. to Canada. Well, no, when they lose to Canada oh, with yeah. Greg Berhalter the in charge in the Nations League. I mean, if you if you if you can't appreciate from there how far this team has come, um, you're missing the plot. And it's not yeah, just maybe, results. Maybe it's I'm a lot missing, better looking. Maybe team I'm too. missing
1: the plot because I look at what Canada has at their disposal. I look at what Mexico has at their disposal. What Costa Rica has at their disposal, and I'm thinking to myself. Wow, Mm. the US men's national team has all this at their disposal and yet, third place. And I know it's goal differential. Yeah, I know it's yeah. all circumstantial, and whatever you may want, but that's what fans may be thinking right now. Listen, that doesn't matter because yeah. the ultimate goal is to qualify and I, I'm with you. There have been some very good teams that have managed to qualify, not in first place and have done some very special things in the World Cup. It's third place, um,
0: but it's like a comfortable third place. We have it to is. acknowledge Absolutely. They're, going into this last window, we thought there was a real chance they'd go to Costa Rica with the World Cup potentially in jeopardy. Of course. It really wasn't in jeopardy, right? It would have no, taken something no, no. Uh, out of the fantasy book for for the, for the U.S to fall to fourth. So that was never going to happen. Arriving to that game and, and avoiding that, to me, is is pretty critical. You talk about how they qualify. Right. But in qualifying, how much does the how matter? Especially it in CONCACAF. It, it, it does But that's what you're hanging your hat on. No,
1: no, no, no. You, no. I'm hanging my hat on you saying that people view American soccer differently because of the national team. No, that's not how they view American soccer differently. People feel good about this national team. Mm-hmm. They feel good about the prospect because these players of where they are playing at the club level. Not what they're doing with the national team. You may have had some good games against Mexico, but that doesn't mean you're a good team. Yeah. You know, that means you played well against one opponent. You, Th- these players playing in Barcelona, Chelsea, Dortmund, Leipzig, et cetera, et cetera. They change the view of American soccer.
0: You don't feel like we've seen a progression though. I mean, if you go from beginning of Burhalter era to the nation's league defeat against Canada, sure. and even, even if you want to go back to the beginning of qualifying, remember that first window, yeah. how bad this team looked. I mean, even from there, we can see a market improvement. Um, window to window, I, I think you really have to point that out. That is a sign of You know, what, even, even this game, even
1: this game, I, I thought the U.S. men's national team was doing fairly well up until the goal. You know, okay. they, they were they were knocking. You on the at, the half,
0: at the halftime stats. You said they what at sixty percent possession, sixty-one percent possession, on the road in Costa like seven
1: corners. Good. You know, they had like six shots, four on goal. Yep. They're they're on the front foot. Uh, you know, I thought there was a few pretty good performances, half chances. Definitely the better of the play. And you're like, okay. They're on the road, they're playing well. This is something that the US National Team has not done very well playing on the road. Uh, So you're like, okay, very good. But then it's, you let the team back in. You let Costa Rica back in, they take control, with the alternate team, by the way.
0: Um, Platform. It's going to be huge for the Golden Generation, right? This yeah. so-called Golden Generation. We talked about in the past. Pulisic missing his 2018 moment. Yeah. Uh, you say these guys change the opinions uh, of what the world thinks about American soccer. Well, you have a big World Cup. You might get a big move. So you've got players right now at the elite level. But now you're going to put 18, 23, potentially they're talking about 26 players going to this World Cup. 26 names into that elite level where you have a good tournament. You have one or two good games. You could really be in some into like a serious, serious level, get a serious move, and I think it's the that's the opportunity that, that was missed last time that you also get now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You talk about 2018 and what you missed out on that World Cup, besides inspiring uh, millions of youth, because I've heard it, you know, I saw Landon Donovan DeMarcus Beasley in the 2002 World Cup, and that inspired me to be right there. These guys are my age, they're doing it, I want to be professional, I want to play on the U.S. men's national team. That inspires you. Uh, Matt Turner is talking about the 2010, you know, watching Landon Donovan, the Algeria goal. That- watching Hercules
0: Gomez, I think was his exact they, Gave me chills. It was like that's
1: my World Cup. Yeah. You trying to tell yeah. me I was part of something that inspired? Like, th- miss the players who missed out, the potential that was missed out that wasn't tapped into, because things went so just wrong. Because you did things so wrong last mm-hmm. go around. This is huge. This is massive because you've never had a generation with so many talented players. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them doing good things. Christian Pulisic just won a Champions League. Christian right. Pulisic is a Champions League player, and he plays well in the Champions League. Gio, Dor- uh, Gio Reina with Dortmund you know, is one of the top 50 prospects You know, for the under-20 program, under-23, whatever. You know, he was voted, he was in nomination for Golden Boy. So there's some real players now. You've never had this type of talent where you can showcase to the world
0: at this level, that gets people excited. Right. That's really what it is. It is. This talent, this generation, um, has not had that moment on a world stage. Hopefully, they'll get it here, uh, and that should be very exciting. Oftentimes, on this show, we play the blame game, uh, yeah. especially you. You like to criticize, be very negative, pessimistic all the time. <laughs> it I don't sounds know. that way right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Uh, right? That's the important thing, right? Congratulations. Uh, they did make the World Cup. <laughs> um, so, who then... If we're going to do the opposite of the blame game, maybe it's the credit contest, right? Who are you going to give a majority of the credit to oh, uh, for this qualification? You're going to give it to the players, you're going to give it to the coach, or you're going to give it to the federation, which you have very frequently on this show criticized? Absolutely. Uh, Listen. When we
1: give credit here, it's a pie, right? Okay, so yes, everybody sure, sure. has their share of the credit. Uh-huh. But if we're going to give the most credit or more, who eats? Who eats first? Who eats first? The players eat. Nah. First. Look at the pro. The player always going I, with the players. Listen. There, there has been change, and this has changed uh-huh. a lot within U.S. soccer. The federation has changed. We have to acknowledge the change. The fans have voiced their opinion to hold people accountable, and that is, of forced change. Greg Berhalter has changed so much in this World Cup qualifying process. Yes, but the The players are the ones who have gotten you here. They're the ones who individually, talent-wise, have gotten you where you are. The first window, your job hanging on the line. It's Ricardo Pepe. It's the guys who come in against Honduras who get you over the hump. It- it's these players and their big moments against Mexico, the individual moments where they're on set pieces. Where this it's is so the great.
0: This, I just remember this exact segment five years ago when the U.S. failed to qualify uh, after losing to Trinidad and Tobago. And I had to watch hours of ESPN content featuring you and yeah. others. And we talked about Sunil Gulati... Yeah. Yeah. We talked about Jurgen Klinsmann. We talked about Bruce Arena. We never named players. Nobody ever named the players. Now they win, and now the players get the credit. That's how it works. So the players are at fault last cycle over Bruce Arena, over
1: Hey, play, the players over were Sunil kicking the ball. Hey, Sunil, Sunil Gulati Gulati. and Bruce Arena
0: weren't on the field against Trinidad d team. No, no, no. It's, it's not just, just interesting one game. How those that's things the problem change. here.
1: That's the problem here. You, everybody wants to pinpoint it this game. No, it's how you get to leaving it to that game. That's mm-hmm. the problem.
0: Okay. Uh, a lot of that might have fallen on the federation. Uh, I, would say, <laughs> I would say this. I think, I think the players. <sighs> Go ahead. The, okay. The players <laughs> certainly deserve their credit. Um, yeah. What I would say is I think Greg Berhalter probably deserves more credit than, than anybody else. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, and here's why. Here's why I say okay. that. Here's why I say that. Because if you're going to give it to the players. you got to divide it between a freaking ton of players because that's what Greg Berhalter did. He didn't lean on 11 guys so you can't point to the same 11. You can't point to the same 14. Doesn't that you speak can't to point the strength to the, the same pool? 18. You can't point to the same 23. The strength of the pool. Yeah, but why does he have such a deep pool? Because he was willing oh, he to use those ball. guys. Because he was willing to play those guys and play them throughout why qualifying. You say so? As we turn to the neighbors to the south, we see that the cost, the impact of not doing that. I think you can't ignore what Greg Berhalter's done here. He has opened the door. He has totally renovated this team in two years time. He's navigated qualifying and he avoided that last game. Again, I can't I cannot overstate how important it was. That is so massive and and he did it up against right. He had to get a win against Panama and he had to get a point in Azteca to do that. And And he he did did. both of those.
1: I'm not saying he doesn't deserve credit because I think he's done some good things in the program. Why doesn't he deserve more credit than the players? I, I just told you why. You want me to repeat it? Yeah, like, give,
0: me, give me the reasons why Berhalter doesn't get it for you.
1: Well, because the players deserve him. But let me tell you what he has done right, okay? Greg Berhalter, because we said it, the players' last cycle were an – aging group mm-hmm. there were players who weren't being pushed out by younger players probably players with higher ceiling and that cost him towards the end well his main objective here is i gotta get a younger group i gotta right. get these players going you may have lost 13 months with dave and the federation not announcing greg berhalter earlier out the window behind the A-bob, but he did a good job of at least getting them to be a team us versus the world and also the dual national prospect uh, uh dual national process with greg berhalter has been something that other coaches have struggled with. Jurgen mm. Klinsmann, Bob Riley, had a good go of it. But I think he's really mastered that art.
0: And that's huge, right? Yeah. Because he's picked up a couple players specifically that have been big in this process. Uh, Eunice Moose and Ricardo Pepe are probably the two biggest Greg Berhalter victories that you Serginho look at. Des. And Sergio Des, yeah, as well, that I think you can kind of say, hey, look, these are three players he brought in. Uh, absolutely critical you, 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 you give it to the players. We haven't mentioned the federation at all. Do they deserve like 10%, 5%, 3% credit? What are you giving them?
1: I'd rather give it to the fans. <laughs> I think fans holding these people accountable. I mean, look, think about everything that happened after that World Cup fiasco of not making it in 2018. The fans finally voiced their opinions, with for, which forced the press to finally voice their opinion, which forced the federation to finally change. And we saw... And we're still seeing mm-hmm. massive change with that. Slower than I'd like, but we're seeing change.
0: There was a lot of criticism of how the Federation hired Greg Berhalter. At the end of the day, they did get the right guy for the job. He got him over the line. I don't think we can debate that anymore, right? We can argue about the processes, but that wry smile on your face <laughs> tells me that we can, we can maybe argue about whether they we, got we the right guy. But uh, we'll save that for another time. Let's move on to expectations for the World Cup, uh, because now we can dream. We can dream of trophies, or at least getting out of the group phase. Uh, what do you think would be a successful World Cup for this U.S. team? I think just getting out of the group phase, if I'm being honest,
1: uh, because of what I've seen from this group and how young they are. I think at their peak, it's going to be 2026. It's what everybody's looking forward to. But you can't go into it saying, hey, it's got to be group phase, right? No, with the amount of talent you have and probably a a bit of luck in your draw, you could potentially make a... Second round, quarterfinal, uh, a run. That that should be that should be your objective. Okay. If you're being realistic, if you say semifinal, final, champion, you're not being
0: realistic. But with the with the proper draw and this group, potentially do something. Okay. If we were talking about Mexico, we would say not getting out of the group phase was a fracaso. Would you right. say then that the U.S. not getting out of the group phase would be a fracaso in this World Cup, or is there some element of, hey, they missed the last World Cup, you should be just happy to be here?
1: There's a little bit of that element for sure because we have to be realistic, right? Mm-hmm. But I think with the amount of talent you have and where these players ply their trade, you have to get out of the group phase. That, right. that should be the expectation. Will it happen? And if it happens, should we blow things up?
0: No. Uh, will Greg Berhalter need to get out of the group to keep his job, you think? I think so. Yeah?
1: Yeah, I it's think It's kind of so. one of those where if he doesn't... Because you've got so much talent at your disposal, 2026 will be in your backyard, and they'll be in their peak. Greg Berhalter, if he wants that job post this uh, World Cup cycle, he needs to get him out of the group phase, absolutely.
0: Uh, I think probably round of 16 is the limit here. If we always just look at kind of like where CONCACAF teams stack up, you might get out of the group phase. But unless you win your group, you're getting probably one of the top eight teams in the world. As talented, as good as this U.S. team is, at that level of competition in the round of 16, they, they might win a game. They might steal a game. They might beat Belgium, but it would be a shocking Listen, upset. Only They'd two be teams, huge
1: Only two teams in the modern era in CONCACAF have done it. The United States men's national team in 2002 And Costa Rica in 2014. In the group of death, by the way.
0: Okay, uh, let's take a look then at the U.S. 11 for this game against Costa Rica. I think it was uh, four changes from the team that we saw Sunday in Orlando. And really, I think the big surprise here was it was pretty much, Herc, a first choice 11. Um, Of course, there was a World Cup ticket on the line, but all you had to do was lose by less than six. So were you surprised to see an A team from Greg Berhalter? I
1: was. You know what surprises me more from Greg Berhalter is he likes to talk. Mm-hmm. and this U.S. men's national team group likes to talk. Um, and they've eaten some humble pie twice now. The first okay. the first go was the very first window in World Cup qualifying where they said, we want a nine-point window.
0: Yeah. And some people like that. Some people said, hey, we love that confidence. And what happened? It wasn't a nine-point window.
1: No, it was a five-point window. It was a five-point window. Uh, Greg Berhalter, and we spoke about it with Casey. The qualified banner comes out <laughs> against Panama, and Casey said, hey, you better bet the Costa Ricans are going to have that as bulletin board mm-hmm. material. And guess what? He says, we want to be the first team to win in San Jose. Mm-hmm. And guess what? bullet That's bulletin board material for the Costa Rican team. And I don't care if we're playing with the B team. I don't care if we're playing an alternate squad. We're not going to let you guys come what here. What about ambition? Embarrass- don't you want your national team? Work in silence. That? Work in silence. You tell your group. Behind closed door, all you're, all you're doing to us is giving us content, thank you very much, and you're giving the opponent bulletin board material. And again, humble pie. If you're Greg Berhalter, you work in silence.
0: Okay, uh, one of the big choices in the starting 11, seemingly every time uh, that Greg Berhalter rolls out a lineup, is what he's gonna do with the number nine. He went with Ricardo Pepi again, Her another game. And another game without goals for Ricardo Pepe. Do we need to start worrying about whether Ricardo Peppi is going to be on the team for Qatar right now? Oh, maybe, Sab. So, and I don't want to. I don't want to say yes because I think it's
1: so unfair to him. Because I, I thought he was. Pretty
0: good. Yeah, First he's clearly he's clearly the, the the leader in the clubhouse now to be the starter, right? I mean, I, I believe so. Maybe he, not coming out of this window. His combination but going into play
1: it. has been very good this window. He just hasn't had opportunities. Very good. To goal. Very,
0: again, you fall on that very good a lot. It's been very good. Yeah, he's been very good this window. Combination play.
1: Yes, he's been good. I'm not kidding you. That number nine back to goal. He's done so some very good you, things. So you So you think he's a lock then for the? For no, the I don't think. It's, I don't think there is a nine that's a lock I, right now. If there's one position that I think somebody can come in out of nowhere and stake claim heading into the World Cup. It's the number nine position. There's been zero nines who have stake claim. And you know what? It's, it's it's pretty much Jesus Ferreira who's not even a nine right. who's probably the closest to saying like, hey, what about me? I've gotten a chance and I've, Played decent and scored goal.
0: What a up and down it would be, right? Ricardo Pepe goes from not at all a part of the national team to the starting striker to the $20 million transfer to Augsburg and then doesn't make the World Cup. I mean, uh, that'd be that'd be a historic year for anybody. Yeah. It,
1: well, few, two things. Remember what Jurgen Klinsmann said. Maybe that's not the correct move, right move. The timing is you're important. Right, you're right. And the second thing, Seb, we've always said, worry about the nine when... He's not getting those opportunities, right? Yeah. If he's getting, if he's missing that chances, I'm not worried about my nine because I know sooner rather than later he will score. He's not getting the opportunities right now, so I am worried for him.
0: And he's not at FC Dallas anymore. To the point about Klinsman, it's not just like... It's if you go... And you start to struggle. Are you in a place where you're likely to get chances? If he was where Jesus Ferreira is right now at FC Dallas, you say, He'd be hey, bad. yeah, he's got time. He's got months. He's got – dude, at Augsburg, we don't know if he's going to be in the Bundesliga. We may, he might be in the Bundesliga too. I mean, there are big doubts to whether if if other guys get hot, those guys you're talking about, whoever they are, maybe they're in the mix now. Maybe they're not. Can Ricardo Pepe keep up? That's where I would start to doubt his participation in the World Cup. It's mean, crazy as that sounds.
1: I mean, we're, we're how many months out from, from the World seven, Cup? Seven, seven months yeah. out.
0: And, and if they get relegated, mm-hmm. it's always been like,
1: no, he'll go somewhere. He'll land somewhere else. Where are you going to land from Bundesliga two, being FC Osberg player? Where are you going to go that realistically will be a, a very good level and you will play and you won't lose that rhythm?
0: Uh, Greg Berhalter's press conference, uh, we're told, going on right now. We're going to bring you some of it as soon as we possibly can. Uh, Before we get to that, though, Herc, I feel like we should mention the away struggles for this U.S. team. uh, Because throughout qualifying, they've been solid at home, but away not so much, at least in terms of winning games. The only victory away in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying is the win away to Honduras. We know Honduras in this cycle were historically bad. (laughs) And if we want to go into that game, that game was really Half an hour of very, very good for the United States. That's their only away victory. Honduras was winning at first. As far as I know, the 2022 World Cup will not be played... In the United States, it mm. will be away games. How big of a worry is that away form? As you as we not, think ahead to the World Cup, not too big because
1: it'll be away for everybody, right? There's only Qatar will be the home team, so it'll yeah. be a neutral venue pretty much for. for but everybody. it won't be home. But it will not be home, and be that home. is a scary thing. But this is the first time these players have done. And the this competition qualifying. will be a lot better. Huh? A lot. That's, that's Well, that's what it worries too. me even more than, than them not winning away. It right. is the competition hasn't been that great it, under Greg Verhalter Now that could be. That could be that the pandemic hit. It mm-hmm. could be that the U- um, the UEFA Nations League has. Uh- has kind of made it impossible for these higher-level teams. I'm
0: looking at who they've played, right? The best teams are like Switzerland, Switzerland and a bunch of teams from Conmebol, but yeah. those were all friendlies. Your best real opponents have been Mexico and Canada.
1: That's what worries me the right. most. I'm not too worried about them not winning on the road when it comes to World Cup time. It's a lack of actual quality opponents because I, I go back to the Jurgen Klinsmann era, and I know the pandemic messed things up, and I know the the, uh, the Nations League in Europe messed things up, but... Under Jurgen Klinsmann, you played Italy, you played Netherlands, you played Germany, yeah. you played Brazil. They'll get some of you those know? games.
0: There's talk of now, you know, friendlies against Argentina, maybe in the run-up to the World I mean, Cup. There should be—they won't be competitive matches. But 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 Jurgen
1: had those games in Europe. Right. He had those games in, in places where you felt uncomfortable. Is it that, wasn't here in the United States, a majority of them, I should say.
0: Um, what do you chalk up the— the, the kind of issues around being successful on the road—is it like an experience thing? You're talking about maybe right now, maybe they haven't had that experience with the national team. Is it the fact that it's a young group? Like yeah, I think a disc- it's a youth. Okay. And listen, nobody's excusing next cycle a next cycle. Nobody's
1: ex- exactly. Nobody's excusing these players, right? But there comes a familiarity with with actually
0: living until the you've won in Panama, yes. until you've won in El Salvador, until you've won Esteca. in Costa Rica, yeah. until you've done those things. Uh, obviously, it can be very difficult to do so. All right, we promise you, Greg. Greg, Berhalter's press conference, let's listen in uh, to what he's had to say after qualifying the United States for the 2022 World Cup.
2: I just had a chance to address the team and um, just reflecting on these last seven months in particular and how much this team has grown together. Um, You know, being the youngest team in the world to qualify for the World Cup is no easy task. But what we saw was the resilience of the team, the strong mentality of the team, and absolute focus to reach our goals. So all in all, we're really proud of the guys, really proud of the way they competed throughout these 14 games. Even tonight, I thought the attitude and the mindset was fantastic, going out there to win the game, not going out there to, to, to hang on. So. It's a proud moment for for the team, proud moment for U.S. soccer, and we're looking forward to competing in the World Cup again. Thank you. The U.S. will be playing in its 11th World Cup, seven of the last eight tournaments. This qualifying campaign, the youngest average age in any U.S. team in history in World Cup qualifying. We'll start with questions and go to Kevin Baxter. I mean, listen, you're, you're never happy. Like, I'm a competitor. We're competitors. The team's com- competitive. We wanted to be the first team to win here. And, I, and you know, I think we did a lot in this game really well. Unfortunately, there are two set-piece situations that we didn't handle well at all, and we got punished for them. And I think it's a learning experience. The way we handle any everything is to reflect on it and to improve on it. And that will certainly be the case with, with that. But... We're we're completely looking forward, Kevin. Um, you know we, we're excited for the draw, excited to, for who we have, and um, you know th- this group can do some damage. I'm confident in that.
1: As you reflect on this journey over the last not just seven months, but really over the last three years now for you, um, what do you think of the team, and where do you think this? How far do you think this team can go in eight months now? Understanding that you still have a lot left to learn on Friday
0: and beyond.
2: Um, we've made we've made a ton of progress um i I think there's a clear way that we we play um we really improved defensively we improved our pressing um you know overall i think the team spirit is amazing the mentality is really good and i think when you're when you're working with a young team um you don't always see progress that quickly and we certainly a ton of progress in these last, I would say, the last year in, in terms of the guys really um, understanding what it means to win at the international level. When you think about Gold Cup, Nations League, and then qualifying for the World Cup with this with this young group, so we're, we'll be ready. We'll be ready for the World Cup. Excited to see what teams we'll be facing, and um, we'll prepare to to win. Ron. Craig, when you look
3: at the 14 games, are there one or two, three turning points where you saw what you envisioned start to come together?
2: You know, I think some big moments, and, and, you know, I wouldn't... Qualifying is not about the vision, so to speak. I think it's more about getting the job done, right? You get in some really difficult situations in qualifying. But when I think of moments in particular, um, you know, the Honduras game, the, the, our first away win was, was important. Um, I think about Costa Rica at home when we gave up the goal in the first minute and responded with, with a really good performance. I think about the Mexico game, both home and away, where um, you know we had to respond, and, and particularly at home, played really well. But I think in this last window, the way the guys handled the pressure was, was I thought, was really a culmination of, of the last seven months. You know, not getting ahead of ourselves, not letting the, uh, the pressure affect us, and just going out there and doing what we needed to do to qualify. And, um, you know, that's what we're really proud of. Right after the first window, it seemed like you...
0: There's uh, Greg Burhalter from the Estadio Nacional in Costa Rica, where the U.S. just lost 2 nothing against Los Ticos. However, they are through to the World Cup. So congratulations to Greg Burhalter and company. We heard some of his press conference there. Herc, anything stand out to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's happy they qualified, right? I think at the end, that's uh, all that matters for him. It should be uh, the ultimate, just, that's what you needed to do. But you saw that. I mean, it was first place, first place, and then it's fifth place because they didn't make it to the World Cup. Uh, Don't let anybody tell you that it's just about making it. Sure, in the grand scheme of things, but the United States men's national team has, I mean, been used to qualifying top of this top of this World Cup qualifying. So you have to get back to that, especially with said
0: generation. Uh, he agreed with you a little bit that, you know, during qualifying, it's not about the vision, right? It's right. very much about kind of the results. He talked about a ton of progress. He talked about the team spirit, which I thought was important. Uh, we talk about team spirit around Mexico. It's very negative. Team spirit around the United States and Canada, uh, much better. Handling the pressure in this last window, maybe a sign of that uh, experience coming along. The turning points as well. Honduras, I also think the game in Cincinnati against Mexico is a big turning point. It's 0-0 there until Christian Pulisic gets that goal. Without that goal, we might be looking at a very different qualifying story for the uh, United States. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's turn our attention to El 3 They, of course, are played in the Azteca uh, earlier tonight against El Salvador. A pretty simple, straightforward game in the end. They scored a goal in the 17th minute, courtesy Uriel Antuna, one of the uh, changes for Tata Martino, who was back in the technical area after missing... Uh, the trip over the weekend. 44th minute, Raul Jimenez got on the board. All right. Surprise, surprise. It was from there the penalty spot. Uh, oh. How special. Actually, Uriel Antuna drew the penalty there. You, you did. have had some doubts as to whether it was a, uh, a penalty at first, or not. But my gallo, he came through. There you go. Uh, but Raul Jimenez uh, converts, and that made it 2-0 uh, at the half. That's how it would stay for full time. And look at this. Mexico's qualified for every World Cup since 1991. Of course, they were banned by FIFA for using overage players in an underage tournament. That is eight World Cup Cups in a row for those keeping track at home. Best in the region, but uh, very, very far from best in the world. All right, Herc, uh, we got a lot of Mexico fans watching us. Should they feel optimistic or pessimistic now that Mexico uh, has qualified as we look ahead to Qatar?
1: You know what's funny? I feel that the fact that the U.S. men's national team lost like they did and now is third place to their second place, Mm -hmm. it'll give them a sense of optimism because the talk is... Look at this golden generation against our worst generation. And look, we're second and they're third. So it'll give you a sense of optimism, right? It'll let you close out that way. But if we're going to analyze generally the overall sentiment, it's got to be pessimistic. Okay, why? Well, look what they didn't do at
0: home. I mean, they had a great away record. You know, the the World Cup is not in Azteca.
1: (laughs) You were just making the opposite case for the United States. I'm I'm
0: saying saying the U.S. is going to play all their games outside of the United States. And I'm going to say... Mexico's gonna play no games but at this But what, the what I'm trying to
1: tell you is when they had all the support in the world. Okay. They had some home games that they bottled up.
0: Okay. Uh, I wrote a smiley face for reasons for optimism and a sad face for reasons for pessimism. Let, let me get to them quick. Uh, optimism. They qualified playing bad, and they did qualify easily, yes. right? The last game wasn't really a sweat. They did finish ahead of the United States. Golden generation. Yes. There, there's something to be said there. They took 13 of Different 21. Different stations in the train, totally. by the way. They took 13 right? out of 21 points away from Azteca. That's better than anybody else in CONCACAF. And, again, you're going to be playing your World Cup games not at Azteca. The defensive record, also worth noting, 450 minutes without a goal. Those are the yep. reasons for the smiley face. Uh, for the sad face, we got the manager tensions. Yeah. We got the chant. Yeah. Uh, we got the violence. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's leading into today. Today we had Raul Jimenez's father, who was mad at the punnets. We had Chucky Lozano, who got benched, uh, and he was upset about that. Uh, we've never seen a less dangerous Mexico. And I think at the end of the day, to advance in a World Cup, you've got to score goals. This team doesn't seem uh, like they're very capable of doing that. Before we bring in John Sutcliffe, uh, who is standing by outside the Estadio Azteca, uh, you were part of some controversy uh, was... this week. Because on your show on ESPN Deportes, Ahora Nunca, you had Miguel Herrera. Oh. Piojo Herrera on the show. Venga, he had Piojo. some interesting comments uh, about Tata Martino. Comments that started a firestorm of controversy.
3: Here it is. Pero si no tiene salud, pues obviamente tendría que hacerse un lado. También lo he dicho, nunca le voy a decir que no a la selección, pero hoy no pasa por mí. eh Pero siempre va a estar presente como un hombre que puede volver a la selección mexicana de fútbol. Físicamente no está apto, sí se tendrá que hacer a un lado. A mí se me hace irrespetuoso, para mí muy respetuoso
1: Puede ser fair play el mensaje y tiene mucha razón, que si no está bien, que se haga a un
3: lado pero Miguel Herrera no es el indicado para decidir. Dijo lo que todos estamos pensando, todos los que seguimos a la Selección Mexicana de Fútbol. Pedir él públicamente que el actual técnico de la Selección Mexicana de Fútbol se tenga que hacer a un lado. ¿Quién es Miguel Herrera? Porque mis compañeros eh, son miguelistas, son herreristas. Les encanta ah, bueno. el piojo y, y se emocionan con él, como tú me comprenderás. Ayer Miguel Herrera le dio una entrevista a ESPN y dijo que si no tiene salud, usted debería hacerse a un lado. Tiene alguna respuesta algún comentario sobre lo no, que dijo No, n- Ninguna.
0: For more on the state of the Mexican national team, we're joined now by our colleague John Sutcliffe of ESPN Deportes there at Estadio Azteca with the uh, entire aficion there behind him. Uh, John, great to have you with us here on the show. Before we start talking about managers, Herc and I were just talking about whether Mexico fans should be optimistic or pessimistic. You're there at the Azteca. Uh, how are they feeling right now about qualifying uh, for the World Cup, and what do you make of the performance
3: against El Salvador? Hi, I think- don't confuse activity with accomplishment. Obviously, the Mexican team qualified, but I can tell you it was a boring game, a boring qualifying game. I remember in 94 when El Abuelo Cruz scored a goal and the country went crazy. When Jared Borghetti uh, had that header to go to South Africa, this has been a very sad clincher for the World Cup. We had mariachis. You might have had the players trying to celebrate, but it was a very sad day. You know, people pay a ticket to have some fun, to have distraction. And I I think at the end of the day, the Mexican national team is the biggest asset for TV broadcasting in Mexico, in the U.S. Yes, they qualified. The U.S. lost. You can say, hey, they're second. They're going to Qatar but we all know they weren't happy. Yeah! I saw el Tata Martino, didn't even stay on the pitch to celebrate with his players. He went directly to the locker room and we heard it, Fuera Tata, Fuera Tata. Yes, Mexico, Mexico's in the World Cup, defense. That you can hear, I'm happy.
1: John, we can hear the Fuera Tata tata. chants right there. So let me ask you for Tata Martino what's the next week look like for Tata Martino? And do you feel like he will be on that flight to Qatar with the Mexican national team?
3: What I've been told through some sources is the president of the Mexican Federation, John DeLuisa, that it's going to be in Qatar for the World Cup draw. After he comes back to Mexico, he has to present his point of view, his suggestions, I've heard it's April 7th, April 8th, and then the owners are going to take a decision. I have a feeling that Tata is going to have a hard time being the head coach in Qatar. Mm. Look at what people are saying, what what, what the atmosphere is around, I just don't see it. And I'll tell you something that I thought, and I said it today on, on SportsCenter. I didn't see the players going crazy and celebrating and taking out their shirt and saying, Tata, we're with you. Tata, estamos contigo. So I just don't see that punch, Eric, you played. And I just don't see the Mexican team saying, Tata, we're with you. We want to be in Qatar. I wouldn't be surprised if a change is coming.
0: Uh, there was a moment right after the Uriel goal where it seemed like a few of the players kind of went over and patted him on the back, maybe uh, something there. Uh, John, as far as possible candidates to report place Tata, uh, give us some names and is the federation thinking more Bombero, like a short term fix or are they thinking more long term for this next hire if they do indeed move on from Tata Martino
3: Sebas, that's a great question I can tell you that several owners that I know are thinking of El Piojo Miguel Herrera as plan B, but at the same time, they got Miguel Herrera comes, is he the one who's gonna have a four year span?
2: Mm. Don't
3: forget that Mexico is gonna be hosting the World Cup of 2026. Maybe we'll have a surprise. I have a gut feeling that Tigres is gonna be looking for a head coach. <laughs> I know John De Luis and Gerardo Torrado respect and want Tata to stay. So next week when he gives his reports to the owners, they'll have to decide and I think uh, on Monday, Eric, you heard El Piojo. He's ready to jump and come back to the Mexican national team. We'll have to wait till next week.
0: John, it is interesting, right? Because Piojo is not the only one that's ready to jump to the national team. We also heard some comments from Hugo Sanchez who said uh, that he would do it for free. What's been the reaction in Mexico to the guys like Piojo and the guys like Hugo, essentially kind of asking for this job publicly while Tata Martino is still sitting in the chair?
3: Uh, I can tell you Tata was very mad, he he didn't like especially what what Miguel Herrera said about he, he shouldn't be flying if he's flying to Argentina, they're not happy with him. I don't, think, I don't think Hugo Sánchez is considered by the owners. A name I can drop that I wouldn't be surprised is Victor Manuel Busetich. Mm. Remember Busetich at one point was given the opportunity, then he was taken out to, because they were worried about Mexico not qualifying for the World Cup. And who came in? Miguel Herrera. So I, I would say the main option, if Tata doesn't remain as skeptical to the Mexican team, is Miguel Herrera. But I wouldn't be surprised. Prize, Victor Manuel Bucetich also because remember you got 8 months for Qatar but you also have to plan ahead and think if you're ever going to win a world cup mm. to be played in Mexico US and Canada you got to make sure you plan But I'll tell you something, in 2014, it all happened, and who was the head coach in Brazil? Uh El Piojo. Eight years later, the same cycle seems to repeat itself. Will it be Miguel Herrera? I wouldn't be surprised, guys.
0: All right, there he is, John Sutcliffe, the man with the info, the man with the access, and the man with Los Aficionados outside Estadio Azteca. John, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it, as always.
3: Uh, Martino, que
0: lo dejen. A pleasure, guys. There he is, John Sutcliffe. Uh, what a legend. And really, you hear John's report. You also hear the fans. They tell us their own stories yeah. with their chants. They opened the shot chanting Chicharito. So you know the uh, the Mexican fans right now uh, perhaps not happy with their team, especially not happy uh, with their attack. And uh, maybe there you see some of why. Let's talk expectations, Herc. So uh, with all that we know about this Mexican national team, what are their or what are your expectations for Mexico for the upcoming World Cup? Quinto partido. Really? That's got to be the expectation. No, no, for no, Mexico. no. You think this team is good enough to get to the last eight of a World Cup? I'm not saying what the expectation is historically or what you think Mexican fans think. How good do you think this team is? I think this, team, this team with a fresh bill of health and a new uh, scenery. <laughs> when you say fresh bill of health, do you mean like everybody who's 32 suddenly magically becomes 22? <laughs> Stop.
1: What I mean is. All of a sudden, they don't have this mounting pressure of what is the World Cup qualification and the fans all over them, the Mexican press all over them. It's just them in Qatar trying to make a run. It's Tecatito playing like the Tecatito Sevilla. Mm. It's Héctor Herrera playing like the Héctor Herrera of Atlético. It's Raul Jiménez finding some form, and it's very interesting prospects off the bench. It's 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 players like Montes and players like uh, Johan Vasquez finding that regularity and becoming prime players. And I think this team... Honestly, can do that because they've shown you they're capable of playing toe-to-toe with yeah. teams like Brazil. Honestly, yeah. I think they can make that quarterfinal run. Again, you're not- talking about 2014. You're literally talking about almost a No, no, ago. I'm not talking about 2014 because they didn't make that quarterfinal run. I'm talking about today. Yeah, but that's when they played with They've Brazil. got more talent today than they had then. Okay, that's the that's reality. They didn't have players playing in the Premier League back then. Mm. Uh, Chicharito wasn't even a starter back then. I mean, Oribe Peralta was starting games. It's, it's, it, they need confidence Seb, that's what they need. Uh, there's a reason that even at their worst, yep. they still came in second place. They're a very talented team. Now, all they need to find is their footing. And I really think the expectation still is el quinto partido. Anything short of the quinto partido is a fracaso.
0: Okay. It's seven straight that they made it out of the group phase. So really, to me, Could in a lot be a of lot ways, more. that's the bar, right? If right. you look at it, you say kind of like, if you don't get out of the group, it's a fracaso. If you do... Even if you don't make that quinto partido, I think fracaso is a lot. I, I think to say you don't make it to But the that's f- what it'll be. That's what it'll be classified as. And, and you know, just really yeah. quickly. Not, I think not with Really this quickly, because
1: you either. say they'll have to be one of the top eight or whatever. Think about this, Seb. Uh, Costa Rica, the United States, South Korea, Sweden, yeah. uh, you know, Turkey. All these teams have made it to that quinto partido. Okay? It, it's not that they're overly talented. You need a right run of form.
0: And you a good draw. You a know, good draw. The U.S. got Mexico. It, you, <laughs> It's what you need. Right. It's what you need. And it can happen. Yeah. I, I, think, I think round of 16 is, is as far as this team can go. I don't think they're capable of beating an elite team. I don't, and ed I to, think that's what you face in the round to the of 16. Of I mean, listen, I would love to, but I mean, what am I basing this on? I'm basically saying I hope it's a repeat of 2014 when they were terrible in qualifying, but then turned it around. I mean, there's not as much time between the end of 2014 qualifying. They've not been terrible qualifying. Think about it. They, they played terribly. The results may not be terrible. They played terribly. Hold
1: on a second. One second, real quickly. They had the best away record in all of CONCACAF. If they win one of those games at home, mm-hmm. okay, that they bottled up, this is a different story. They're the best team in CONCACAF.
0: Look, if you're going to get to el quinto partido, you're going to have to win at least, at least twice, right, against two of the top 32 teams in the world. And what do you need to win games? What did you make a living off of? Scoring goals. Okay. I I, I, I mean,
1: where are the goals going to come from? Really quickly. 2002 U.S. Men's National Team that's been held as the golden generation up until this generation. The best World Cup whatever. One, one, and one in group
0: play. Yeah. One, one, and one in group play. All right, so an ugly Mexico, Mexico. Gets, through, gets through the group phase, gets to around a round of 16, and you say can pull an upset. I think El Quinto Partido, based on what we've seen now, is very wishful thinking. Honestly, it may be wishful thinking every time with Mexico because they've never actually made it outside of when they were at home in 1986. You are a
1: insufferable Mexico. Well, I mean, I, can I be Argentina, honest? in your head, all the maxi lope, every single time is what I, you're
0: thinking of. Oh, I'm just, uh, I, I've been around the block. I've seen it. I've seen it seven <laughs> straight times. <laughs> uh, uh, and this team I don't think is, uh, you say they're more talented i, I do. don't i, I think, think generally they're more they're, talented. they're not playing better than the team in 2018 but hold on go back hold to hold that on, team. Seb, look, don't say that for a second because look where they were in the qualifying campaigns with 11 points the u.s
1: men's national team mm-hmm. okay no, this i'm sorry with 11 points this mexican national team qualified to that repechaca to the playoff game with 12 points the u.s men's national team didn't qualify look where they were and now you're comparing them to what was the I mean the the height of their World Cup play. No, you got to be realistic of okay, can they get better? Like that team got better.
0: Can they get better? I don't know. Uh one thing, did you hear the the Chicharito chance there? I did. Yeah. You yeah. Yeah. Does he change your expectations? You think we might see him? If the fans are chanting for it? I'll tell you what, if Miguel Herrera is the coach, damn well better Yeah. Cuz you cuz you need goals. I'm He's saying if fight. you want to win, you need goals. Who brings more of them than uh than Chicharito? Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets pizza. Better because it has to be. Qualifying has come to an end, so let's turn our attention to Qatar, We're on Friday uh, we're going to have the draw, but on Thursday we have the 72nd FIFA Congress. For more on that, here's Alexis Nunes and Gav Marcotti.
4: Hey, Sebi, it's a big week here for World Football in Doha, Qatar. So much so that Gab Marcotti has made the trip over (laughs) in less than 48 hours. We're going to find out who 29 of the 32 teams that have already qualified for this year's FIFA World Cup will be playing in the group stages. But before we get to the draw, Gab, I know this is your second time to Doha. A lot of time has passed. What do you make of the preparations and how Qatar is looking before they host this massive tournament?
5: You know, it's actually my fourth time. The first time I came here was way back in 2004. Frank LaBeouf was playing here. So was Pep Guardiola. So was the legendary Gabriel Batistuta. Oh. So <clears throat> it's been some years uh, since then. Uh, and But even compared to when it was last year, three, four years ago, uh, this whole area, was essentially flat it wasn't yeah. quite desert because we're we're near the water but you know it was just sort of those keep out signs and whatever and, and they had plans and they're moving towards this um this is a teeny tiny country yes and they've had to build so much in terms of hotels in terms of stadiums in terms of infrastructure the metro to get people around um I feel like it still is a race against time.
4: Yeah, I I keep saying that I feel like I'm living in one of those Sims games where everywhere you look, there's just like a new construction site popping up. Everywhere you turn, it's a new construction site. So as Gab said, it's definitely a race against time for November for the World Cup. But before the draw, that's what everyone's looking forward to. There is a small matter of the FIFA Congress. You and I will be going to that. A couple of headlines surrounding that exactly what are you expecting from it? Because we're hearing that they will be talking about maybe a World Cup every two years. There's also the matter of Russian teams' participations in FIFA competitions.
5: So, I think on both of those, we're gonna have a little bit of treading water. Uh, Look, never say never, there's horse trading the FIFA Council met today. But I think in terms of the biennial World Cup, at least as far as the men are concerned, um, I think it's a non-starter. I don't think he's going to, Johnny Fatino FIFA president, is going to introduce it or back it if he thinks he's going to lose or only go through with a narrow um, a narrow majority. You know, we've heard it's not just UEFA and Comibor who are against it. Uh, CONCACAF also is coming out and saying, you know, we're not exactly enthusiastic about it. So I don't think we're going to go there. Russia obviously remains a huge topical issue. There were reports in Russia, Alexis, that... They may want to leave UEFA and join the Asian Football Confederation. The thinking being that you know, they've got more friends in that part of the world. As far as FIFA are concerned, I think FIFA are going to be guided by the IOC. Yeah. They will remain banned uh, as long as the IOC bans them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, going to, that's not going to change for the foreseeable future. Hopefully until we get peace.
4: And then there's another topic, of course, that's going to be uh, discussed or you'd expect the journalists to bring up the question, and that's the whole human rights issues that have plagued this country, especially as it relates to migrant workers that have worked on all the construction we're seeing, especially the stadiums that will be used at the World Cup. What we're hearing from a lot of our fellow journalists is that they just want FIFA to acknowledge that they're aware and probably put a bit more pressure in rectifying all the issues that we have seen. What do you expect to come from that? What exactly could FIFA be facing tomorrow from? our fellow journalists so I think
5: look this issue always comes up I don't think it's I I think we're past the point where it's an issue of laws anymore because Mm -hmm. you know uh, Qatar has worked with because of international pressure uh, they've worked with um, a number of trade unions uh, they've worked with a number of international organizations uh, they've abolished rules like the kafala system um, which basically bound a migrant to uh, an employer Uh, They've increased minimum wages. They've increased uh, worker conditions, housing, and so on. The problem is, and um, actually FIFRO, the International Footballers Union, they came out with a letter today saying, hey, this is great and all, but do people have a recourse? So they've been urging them to say, why don't we open up an office where workers here can go, say, look, it's great that we have those rights, but if my employer doesn't... those rights and you know i'm here and i need to send money back home and maybe i don't speak the language or whatever so they want to set up some sort of office some sort of drop-in center where they can go they can get legal advice so they know what their rights are that's a big thing the other big thing for them is they want to make sure hey once the circus moves out of town Will these rights, will these minimum guarantees, uh, be maintained? This is a huge issue, not just here in Qatar. It's a huge issue, obviously, throughout the Gulf. And you know, Qatar says, "Well, we're changing for the better." Obviously, that change has to be maintained, and then maybe we're going to see some of these improvements happen in the Emirates, in Dubai, uh, in Saudi, in other places here across the Gulf.
4: All right, so there you see there's just only a couple of the headlines going into the FIFA Congress and, of course, the FIFA World Cup draw. All will be revealed in less than 48 hours and we will happily bring you guys the latest from here in Doha, Qatar. Until then, it's back to you, Sebi.
0: All right, thank you very much to Alexis and Gab doing the uh, the difficult work over there uh, in Qatar logging the long hours. FIFA announcing the results of their first sales phase of tickets for the World Cup Herc. Surprise, surprise, the U.S. and Mexico, both top five in terms of tickets purchased. Surprise, really? Uh, come on. Just because this people people can get confused, like right.
1: wait a second, it doesn't mean that you're they're all U.S. men's national team fans. Okay, it means Americans purchase tickets. Right. It means Americans with roots in other countries could be a lot of them from Mexico purchase mm-hmm. tickets for the World Cup. It doesn't mean they're all U.S. men's national team
0: fans. Still uh, a lot of friends from Concacaf that uh, you'll see over there in Qatar if you do make the trip. Here's a look at the pots. Right. We know uh, Mexico and the U.S. by the way are going to be uh, in pot too. Canada. Because they lost their last qualifier, oh. would have been pot three. Instead, Tunisia gets that last spot in pot three. Canada drops to pot four. I might want to change my uh, my expectations for Canada. My my ceiling for them of getting to a quarterfinal going to be very Ooh. difficult to do that out of pot four. But there you see pot ones, pot three, pot four, uh, and then the Mexico and USA in pot two. So Herc. We've taken all of this in. We still have the three teams, by the way, uh, still to be decided there in pod four. The playoffs are still ongoing. If you could do an ideal draw for the United States, who's your best group? (laughs) The United States, right? Yes. All right. uh, Give me the host, Qatar. Okay, easy, right? Like, if you're going to go out of pot one, it basically, like, yeah. has to be Qatar.
1: Give me Iran, who, who's never made it past the group stage. Okay. Okay? And give me Ecuador, who's winless in the last four. Mm. A, a very anemic attack, even though they got wow. some playmakers, but will go at you and leave spaces in behind that I think the U.S. men's national League team do well with. If you sit back against the U.S. Men's National Team in that low block, they tend to struggle. But if you give them space and time in Qatar, by the way, we saw him in the
0: Gold Cup. I was about to say, not bad, right? No, but they play. They play. They try to play, and
1: I... Even though they're a host country, I don't know what this home support's going to actually feel like. And I think out of the first pot, because there are some really good teams, right. you will take Qatar every single time.
0: Dude, I actually like love this group for the United States. I'm looking at it. I think they'd be favorites not just to advance, but probably to win the group. Or am you I, am I so? getting too far uh, out of myself? Maybe uh, maybe a little bit far. Do you think then, Qatar you still, would be the favorite?
1: Well, they're sure the home team. And that's huge. Okay? okay, massive. And Ecuador has some very good playmakers. Like, okay. honestly, some very talented playmakers. Angel Mena, Jean Menet. That
0: says they got some players that can really hurt you. Is there another team from pot one that you, would, you wouldn't you would mind the U.S. I mean, facing? I'm is, sorry? Is there another team from pot one? Because Qatar's the obvious choice, right? They're by far the weakest team in pot one. Is there another team from pot one that you wouldn't mind so much for the U.S.? <laughs> Do some real work here, a ver just a team that's going to play, like uh, even a Belgium, a team that's going to really try to have the ball,
1: leave some spaces. I could see them doing well against a team like that. Um, Not so much Brazil, even though they have the ball a lot because they're very good defensively, only five goals given up. But I think a team like Belgium, uh, will allow you to play. And I think the U.S. men's national team does well when they're allowed to play. It, teams that sit in in that low block really frustrate the U.S. men's national team.
0: All right, so there it is. Uh, Herk's ideal group for the United States at the World Cup. Qatar, Iran, and Ecuador. And uh, Herc says they would be well, co-favorites, we'll put it, yeah, uh, to I'll advance go cool. uh, or to win that group uh, with Qatar. All right, uh, now let me do my ideal go ahead. Uh, group for Mexico. All right, so obviously you would pick Qatar, right? But I had to do something different. So I'm going to, of everybody else, I was trying to think of the big boys. Uh, So out of part one, I took England. Out of part three, I took South Korea. And out of part four, I took Saudi Arabia. Um, Okay, let's start with England, right? I feel like England's just a little bit overrated, bro. I just feel like they're a little bit overrated. Uh, here's what I'm going to Here's why I say that. I feel like at the World Cup in 2018, which is like a lot of what we think of when we think of this current England, they benefited a lot from the side of the bracket they were on. right? I feel like if they'd been on the other side of the bracket, they're not semi-finalists. And, and we're singing a very different story about England. Similarly, Um, I feel like at the Euros, you know, they they get to the final because of the side of the bracket that they're on and because, frankly, um, the entire European championship for them was a home tournament. So I feel like they're a little overvalued um, in that pot one. And if there was ever a country, Herc, ever a country that could disappoint their fan base more than Mexico, uh, it would be England. So England's my my pot one team. South Korea's my pot three team. Not because I don't respect South Korea, but because more than I... uh, Respect South Korea. Respect history. Okay, 1998, Mexico beat South Korea yeah. uh, in the group phase of the World Cup. 20 years later, 2018, you and I were in the stadium in Russia yeah. uh, when Mexico beat South Korea. So uh, if you're gonna take a team from Pot Three, I like South Korea. Okay. Now, Pot Four. Look, there's some teams we don't even know yet who, who could slide in here, right? Of uh, the teams that we do know, I went Saudi Arabia. Uh, Now, Saudi Arabia, in the 12 games, Herc, that they've played since they did advance once to the round of 16 and 94, uh, the 12 World Cup games that they've played, bro, one win. On top of that, the entire Saudi Arabian roster is based domestically. So I'm going to lean on that. Not that I watch a ton of the Saudi Arabian League. I will acknowledge that here. Okay. Um, but I'm going to say all their players are based domestically. It's not a roster that scares me. It's not a team that scares me. If I were to find somebody in pot four, I'd go Saudi Arabia. How do you think Mexico stacks up in that group? Uh,
1: fighting for that second place without South Korea. Um, what's the one thing that Mexico really struggles with? Set pieces? Well, yes. it's very true. Speed, athleticism? Uh, was, yes. Yeah. That's physicality. Speed and athleticism. And... and that's kind of what this English team has. Like They're very yeah. good with their speed. They're very good in transition. They've got some very good 1v1 players, and I think that's a huge detriment mm. to the way Mexico plays. And yeah. that really, uh, Canada showed you at the Azteca. The U.S. men's national team showed you four times.
0: That can really hurt you. Yeah, it could be a uh, bad matchup there for Mexico. Uh, we'll see. We got the uh, draw in, what, uh, 36, 48 hours time from Qatar in what? few more hours and that saturday at 7:30 p.m eastern time we got orlando city against lafc and major league soccer action that one available for you on espn2 we all know breakfast is an important part of your day but sometimes when you're traveling for business you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any you know what happens you grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely we've all been there but if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. U.S. Women's National Team Herc dropping their roster on Tuesday for the April camp and then a couple games after that. 23 players in total called in by Vlatko and Anofski The two games will be against... Uzbekistan uh, one on April 9th in Columbus, one on April 12th uh, outside Philly. I think the uh, U.S. women's national team will be quite heavy favorites uh, for those games. It's a younger group, Kelly O'Hara, Lindsey Horan, the only players with 100 plus caps, 14 players Herc with 15 or fewer caps. Look at that,
1: Trinity Rodman, that's camp number two. Uh,
0: most <laughs> noteworthy is again, who's not here, Herk, okay. It's another roster without the big names, especially the big names up top. No Megan Rapino, no Kristen Press, no Tobin Heath, no Alex Morgan. Something, nothing, or everything here.
1: This is everything. Is everything? Look at the, the shift. There has to be that generational shift, right? 17 of these players were in the She Believes Cup. Mm-hmm. The same team that won that tournament for Vlatko. And then we're talking about players like Alex Morgan, 32 years of age. Uh, Megan Rapinoe, 36 years of age. Christian Press, 33 years of age. Tobin Heath, 33 Sorry. years of age. You need to move on from these players mm-hmm. because chances are maybe they can help you win today but not in the future. If you want to build an actual team, you have to stop relying on your veterans and you have to
0: bring in the new generation and it's exactly what Valco is doing so this is everything it's something here's why I say it's something right what he's telling to me the veterans here is that I don't need to see what you can do against Uzbekistan right what we're doing against Uzbekistan is building this team for huge games that are coming up World Cup and Olympic qualifying we know that's coming up this summer what I need to see from the veterans is in the NWSL which to me is kind of a challenge to the veterans right it's saying hey I know what you used to be able to do. you got to reprove it again at your club level. So the next few months, it's not about what what Megan Rapinoe could do against Uzbekistan. She's going to drop a hat trick. It's about what she does at the NWSL level, which we know is a much more competitive level than Uzbekistan. A couple things Vladko said uh, about this. Four games left to World Cup Olympic qualifying. I want to maximize every minute together. If I'm a veteran, I don't like hearing that, because that tells me he's consolidating the group, right? Absolutely. He's saying, we're getting it ready together now, and you're not a part of it. The only ticket back in is through your club play.
1: Oh, The opposite of that is what if one of those players actually drops a hat trick while they're in camp? Mm. Now you're
0: a veteran player looking on the outside end of players who are actually playing well with Vlatko. So. Speaking of uh, veteran players, Lynn Williams, uh, we've had some bad injury news last couple of days when it comes to the U.S. Women's National Team. More of it here. She's out for the rest of the NWSL uh, season after suffering an acute injury to her right leg a couple of weeks ago. Williams did play uh, 90 minutes in Kansas City's Challenge Cup opener. Uh, she's second all time in the NWSL with 57 goals. 26 assists, a huge, huge loss for Kansas City and a, uh, a real difference maker as well, potentially at the international level for Vlatko and Anoski. That battle for roster spots, that's a, uh, that's a big spot opened up for some young talent up there on the front line for the U.S. women's national team. Speaking of, ESPN2 April 2nd against Uzbekistan. It'll be 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific uh, when coverage starts as the U.S. women take on one of their final preparatory matches ahead of World Cup and Olympic qualifying. Elsewhere in the women's game park, in case you missed it, Barcelona and Real Madrid. This is the Women's Champions League. They set a global attendance record for women's soccer, 91,553. Wow. So this beat the Pasadena Rose Bowl United States Women's National Team versus China 1999 Uh, right or did it the 99 final it did beat that one the game in question is the 1971 World Cup final in Mexico that's right there was a Women's World Cup back then Mexico and Denmark played in front of (laughs) 112,000 wasn't a FIFA (laughs) event though by the way this game itself was like incredible hurt Uh, Barcelona were up 3-1 after the uh, first leg and they really just poured it on Mapi Leon here with uh, with a golazo
1: uh, What's the goalkeeper doing there? Got completely surprised and then penalty kick We're back in this! Yeah. We're back in this! Real
0: Madrid with a, a little bit of a rally so they get the, uh, the penalty from Olga Carmona and then Claudia Sornosa here Oh, it's 2-1! Watch what Sornosa does The goalkeeper's thinking through
1: ball The goalkeeper's thinking I gotta come off my line Comes off her line, oh no! Oh no, she got caught!
0: Oh, she caught that clean, too. That is a beautiful... It just looks so much better when with, with a left- lefty, does it? Uh, Barcelona rolled from there, though. Aitana Mati. Oh, man. And a lefty from good, there. Looks like good messi asked, no?
1: Good entry pass. It's hard to her feet. Good touch, and it puts it away. Three minutes later, Claudia Pina. No, no,
0: no, 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 uh, no, goal, no, no. a nightmare at this point, right? Well, you know
1: what? It's very difficult because she's thinking cross. She's thinking cross, but she laces this. Look at it. Look That's at the a movement. bad
0: cross or a good shot? Yeah. It's a Either bad one. Cross. How about this? <laughs> Alexia Puteas. Best in the world for a reason. Oh god. Scuttles keeper. it across oh, the
1: Oh no! Help her out! Goalkeeper makes a mess but You can help her out. They just cried and it trinkled
0: in. Dude, this Barcelona team is just loaded with yeah, count. Caroline Graham Hansen. Gonna make it oh. 5-2 here in Barcelona. They roll eight-three uh the final on aggregate so here's how the uh, rest of the bracket stands uh psg and barcelona then through to the semi-finals juventus they lead their quarterfinal arsenal and wolfsburg play to a one one draw in the first leg all right Herc, time now for our parting shot the latest on the portland timbers major league soccer has concluded its investigation into the timbers handling of domestic abuse allegations against midfielder Andy Polo. The investigation concluding the team's offer to help Polo's estranged wife, Uh, were not meant to persuade her to drop charges. The investigation also concluding the Timbers should have informed Major League Soccer when the Sheriff's Department deputies were called to Polo's home back in May. They did not. The team has been fined $25,000 for failing to report the incident to MLS. Here you see a part of a statement from Major League Soccer on everything that happened in their investigation surrounding the Portland Timbers. Now, there's plenty more on this available um, on our website, ESPN.com. Jeff Carlisle with all the latest, a full, full recap of everything uh, that has happened In this story, a really uh, uh, perfect way to recap everything. Uh, If you want to know everything that's happening in Portland, make sure then to check out ESPN.com and Jeff Carlisle's article. All right, uh, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. But let's not get out of here before enjoying some celebration shots. This courtesy of Kellen Acosta's. Instagram. Thank God they didn't have Instagram back when you were a player. Is he old enough to drink? Those two old enough? Yes.
3: You
1: don't know what you don't know. You don't know the beautiful sting of alcohol in your eyes.
0: Maybe you do. Oh no, I don't. Maybe you
1: do. Just not never celebratory
0: alcohol. No, (laughs) no. It's more uh, the tears, the stinging of tears in my eyes. (laughs) All right, so uh, that's it for us. We will be back on Monday, though, uh, with a look ahead to one of the best rivalries in American soccer, El Trafico, next week. Can you believe it or not, next week, Best rivalries in American soccer, you said? Yeah, one of the best. One of the best. One See the- how I, I cover myself there. You do. One of the best. You cover uh, yourself in glory there. Yeah, well, Not quite. Uh, LAFC and the LA Galaxy, we'll be uh, covering that with a rivalry roundtable on Monday's show. Should be a lot of fun. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Everybody at home, Let's breathe.
1: We're talking Portland on Monday?
0: Yeah, we're talking yeah, Portland we're talking on Monday. Portland. You better bet. Yeah. USA, Mexico, into the World Cup. Canada as well. Costa Rica, into the playoffs. Pura Vida! We'll see you next week. 14, huh? Uh...